Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, NWSL analyst and broadcaster. The NWSL is back. We've got regular season action that is going to be returning this weekend. So we're going to hit you all up with a weekend preview of all five games. All the teams are scheduled to compete at the moment. But we're also going to fill everyone in on some news updates as well, because that is what we do here. We try to make sure that everybody is informed. Before we get into everything, a quick reminder to follow us on Twitter at Attacking Third. And you can also head over to our YouTube page and hit subscribe to never miss a new video, interview, or whenever we go live. Plus, you can catch great highlights from NWSL and World Cup qualifying matches. So go over to YouTube.com slash Attacking Third, hit subscribe, and check out all of our videos. Lisa... How are you doing today? I'm good, Sandra. I'm I'm okay. Um, I'm wearing wrapping my Marquette women's soccer gear. Uh, they are in town playing Villanova for some Big East action this weekend. So go Marquette, go Golden Eagles women's soccer. You always have to rep where you come from, yes, right? Absolutely. You see me coming, correct? I'm here in my <laughs> White Sox gear at our time of recording this. The Chicago White Sox could very well clinch the Central Division, and I am personally very excited about it. I know people are always are taking a look at our backgrounds. And they always take a notice of my Sox 35th sign, or in this case, my White Sox hat that's on. But uh, so, I'm, so if I'm we excited. hear you start screaming and celebrating during this episode, it's only because the Sox claim, clinch. I absolutely, just <laughs> ignore it and just I'm just giving context. I'm just giving feedback in case I break for a second. That's what it's going to be in reaction to. And there it is. They actually just clinch. I'm yes. a happy, happy girl, Lisa. Oh, congrats, Sandra! <laughs> this is so exciting. Live reaction. White Sox clinch. Sandra, how did they do it? Are you so pumped? Will you be there? Uh, <laughs> They're in Cleveland right now, so they just clinched the 2021 uh, AL Central uh, Division. So that's really exciting. Uh, it's been a long time coming, and uh, I am a happy, happy camper. Uh, so it's nice. Sports, they tend to, it, can, it can bring us the highest of highs and also the lowest of lows, quite frankly. So let's, let's get into it, Lisa. This is an NWSL episode, so we're going to keep our focus on that. But guess what? There's more news out of Washington spirit. I know you and I had an episode where I, I believe it was one of our mailbag segments. It was kind of our news and notes episodes. And at the time we had tried to keep our listeners up to date uh, at that point and what was uh, sort of coming out of the Washington spirit. Uh, but there's been some additional things that have happened, uh, some conclusions, some things that are still open-ended. Uh, but we both sort of felt that the best way to kind of go through this and leading up to the recent reports is maybe sort of run down the timeline of things. And uh, we're going to do that for our listeners right now, just in case you, you two are like, geez, what is going on and how do we figure it out? And like, how do you piece everything together? So in terms of the Washington spirit, it was reported back in early August, we'll say around the 10th or so that former head coach, Richie Burke had stepped down uh, from the head coaching role with the spirit due to health concerns. And essentially a mere 12 to 24 hour late, uh, 24 hours later, uh, both the, the league and this spirit were uh, reached out to by the Washington Post, uh, you know, for an investigation, uh, investigative report um, that was currently taking place around head coach Richie Burke for things like abusive behavior or reports of like a toxic culture. Um, and then that following morning, once the report was released, um, additional newer statements were made by both this, the spirit and the league saying that due to the credible reporting that there was a current investigation for all of those things underway in regards to the Washington spirit uh, and Richie Burke. Um, so that happened pretty early yeah. on, which we were aware about. And we had reported on that, that it, 
initially, which red flags to us and I think to a lot of fans out there that initially it was reported that these were health concerns. Um, and then very, very quickly it became, no, this is an investigation for for abusive behavior uh, against Richie Burke, um, which was surprising to a number of fans, but also not so surprising based on Richie Burke's background. Um, he had previously uh, been flagged, I'm going to mm-hmm. say, for that type of behavior. Um, never coaching in the NCAA mm-hmm. before or never coaching professionally before, he was still given this job at the Washington Spirit. Sure. Um, then as events continue to go on, there were maybe some things that happened um, within Washington Spirit that Uh, surface level fans aren't so aware of that didn't make the biggest news with partnerships and things that happened there. That was um, at the later on in August, maybe a week or so after this initial announcement, Sandra, what contracts were made and what happened that maybe spirit supporters weren't so happy about? Yeah. So uh, getting into rolling on with the chronological order of these things uh, before we actually jump into that, I also want to make an important note that within that initial reporting regarding the the culture at the spirit and the head coach in, in Richie Burke that, uh, you know, former Washington Spirit player Kai McCullough went on record mm-hmm. within that reporting, which was a very, very brave thing to do, all things considered, and the very type of sensitive reporting that uh, is involved in that. Um, while a number of other players uh, wanted to remain anonymous for, quite frankly, fear of, you know, backlash from that. Um, So that's a very, very tense moment to have uh, coming out of your club. And to just like, you know, a week to 10 days later, um, make the announcement of a, of a front Jersey sponsorship at the time, which was, it was with Intelli, uh, IntelliBridge, which is a, a defense contractor, Homeland Security, law enforcement. Um, and the front of the Jersey is a very, very big deal. It's what everybody is going to be really taking a look at um, firsthand. And that didn't resonate very well with the, the fandom of the spirit at the time. Um, and they sort of let, express that, you know, in the following game. So the spirit ended up hosting North Carolina courage on August 29th. And this was on the same night where the, the spirit announced a, like a service member appreciation night. So in that there was the announcement of the front Jersey sponsor with IntelliBridge. There was the announcement that they were going to pay homage specifically to a former general, Michael Hayden of the U S air force, um, that he used to serve as the NSA uh, chief and CIA director and oversaw many, many things. And a lot of the response from the fandom to that was, was not, was not positive. Uh, There were fans who were reacting to that, talking that, talking about how the club was making a choice and that they were deliberately choosing to honor what they considered, uh, you know, a war criminal to who elevated, violent, dangerous, you know, things. And so it was not something that resonated well with the fandom. So on the surface level, it's like, oh, hey, here's here's a front jersey sponsor. Here's some money. But the fan base is incredibly engaged in this in this league. I think they have shown that time and time again. So once this was announced, it was zero percent shocking that they were doing their own due diligence and taking a look into things. And if seeing if any of this may be aligned with their own core beliefs. And it just, it just didn't. And it kind of really just boiled over. It did at that point. So this was the August 29th game hosted by the Washington Spirit against North Carolina Courage. And this is when we um, first saw the, the outward support of the supporters group for Washington Spirit. And we saw a big banner sign in the stadium saying, sell the team, Steve. Um, and, and that sign went viral on social media and people saw it and people heard of, heard it. So is that sign in reaction to the Richie Burke investigation or the contract partnership or honoring a, a general at the game? There's a lot of things undergoing there, but it all really surfaced at the same time. So the sign, sell the team, Steve, um, came from the Rose Room Collective, the supporter group for the Spirit and DC United, which are a collective of intersectional POC soccer supporters who put up that sign, Sandra. So is what is the sign in reaction to? I mean, it's it you have to it's just I'm just gonna echo what I already said. Like it's it's obviously at this point in in terms of us going through this timeline, it's like the re- like the repetitive culmination of events. Mm-hmm. Like just the failure to sort of 
really have your pulse on the the culture of the of the team and by extension it's the fandom that supports it um so to just sort of have everything coming out around richie burke um and then taking a step back even going back into 2019 and how he was appointed that it just really echoed and looked like this was a coach that got brought in with very minimal experience and minimal t- and some stronger more due to stronger ties to uh, and the administration that was in place of the franchise, as opposed to like their their own experience. So Richie Burke was coming in to coach a women's professional soccer side with just some youth coaching experience and never having the experience of coaching uh, within the women's or non-men's side of the game before. So these are all like a culmination of events for only two years later to have this type of reporting come out about toxic culture, abusive language, abusive uh, harassment type level behavior, and then having the announcement of uh, the IntelliBridge, uh, you know, front jersey sponsor. It's just sort of, at, and this is very early in this timeline, but even then it just sort of feels like that's just a, a, a boiling over. Um, so, Yes. The yes. fandom went ahead and they they wanted to express themselves and they tried to do that. And if anything, them being asked to take that type of stuff down within the game because they were asked to take it down, I think just sort of continues to keep that bad blood boiling. Yes. So this happened. Uh, this was the game on August 29th. As we mentioned, this was happening late in August. I'm going to keep our timeline on track here for all of our listeners. So then about a, a week later, not even September 4th, the Washington Spirit versus Portland Thorns match was postponed at that point, reportedly due to four positive COVID cases within the Washington Spirit organization and the players. Yeah. Um, that was tough, you know, to sort of see that happen. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about a regular season in 2021 that coming off of a 2020, none of us were really sure what was going to happen. Navigating this type of stuff in a pandemic still has so many unknowns. And having a regular season in 2021, a full a full calendar year. Really, when we're looking at it, we're talking about it was like the first time it was like a a very long extended preseason for these clubs. Then there was the continuation of the Challenge Cup in a second, you know, annual year. Then it was like, hey, here's a regular season. Let's go. And all of this is happening because at the time you would imagine that there's like this very mutual collective agreement that, hey, we're all going to need to really try our best here. Mm -hmm to ensure the best practices <laughs> to navigate a professional league through a pandemic. Um, and then so to sort of see that this first game gets candles, because that's what it was, it was a postponement with, with the it's thorns. Postponed. But it was due to a, a string of, of, of COVID uh, positive tests. So it was about four that it was, I believe, reported at the time that it was four cases and that they had to postpone it. And there was the impression that there was going to be an eventual later date for this one. But that wasn't necessarily true. Yes. Yeah, so this initially came out. And as Sandra mentioned, there they, we the, the league had already done this. The league back in 2020 was the first professional league to do a bubble in the Challenge Cup and have it be success with not one single person testing positive. Um, so when this news came out with the four positive cases, I, I think people were a little disappointed, but also... Um, vaccinated people can still test positive for COVID. There are a number of factors that go into this, but as time went on, more and more information came out about this. Um, Immediately after this initial postponement was announced, uh, reports started surfacing about where the players may have gotten COVID or what may have happened. And it was reported that uh, part owner, why Michelle Kang was under investigation for hosting a dumpling making party, which is maybe where the COVID uh, outbreak spread. Sandra, what what's your intel on that situation? I don't know if I would call it intel, but I think my, my immediate reaction to it, honestly, was just irresponsible. Mm-hmm. Just irresponsible. And uh, really, really sad, quite frankly. I ju- it just was... Uh, I think the reaction to this reporting, which basically was a tweet <laughs> from... Uh, from 
a media person who has ties to the DC area, but not necessarily the Washington spirit. Um, and then all of a sudden during the biggest uh, kind of news cycle around the club, there is apparently a very specific <laughs> tweet about a very specific investor in the group. And I think the reaction to it just sort of spoke more volumes than the actual supposedly sourced information. And that so many within the soccer space were debunking <laughs> this type of, you know, reporting and quite frankly, questioning the credibility of mm -hmm. it. Um, and rightfully so, because for a number of reasons, it, a news cycle is, is rapid right? Lots of things happen, things change, new information gets presented. Um, and also it was very dangerous. And I think I echoed this on our previous episode where we were talking about the Washington spirit news at the time, which wasn't as lengthy, you know, as it is now. Um, but I refer to it as dangerous because, because it is, and it was, and it still is, um, to continue to sort of, um, put things out there that could potentially fan the flames of, uh, you know, racist and racialized moments against people who suffer these type of things all the time. So to put that out there is very, very dangerous, especially in a time in an era where we're living, where we're seeing hate crimes against Asian American Island, uh, Pacific Islanders just sort of at a level really unheard of before. So it's dangerous to put something out there like that without doing so. That's what I refer to it as irresponsible to just sort of be given to be fed something as a person in media and to not do your due diligence to go and try to fact check that yourself. So to clarify, it's uh, the, the not well done and, and the disappointment that you have is not from the dumpling making party, but instead of the reports that were made about it because they were not checked. Yeah. So if you're having right. like an, an uh, like an ongoing investigation happening in at this point, you have a, a game that was canceled and postponed. You're going to look into the reasons why. So if you're looking into these reasons and you're just sort of throwing something like this out there. It's irresponsible to to not do your due diligence yes. behind it is what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's irresponsible to have a dumpling making party. We're living in a time right now during the pandemic where people are having gatherings and they are mm -hmm. trying to do so responsibly. It's irresponsible to put out something like that and not do your due diligence behind it, especially, you know, if you're someone who is not typically within the space of co providing coverage of the league. Yes. So this, uh, that was what was reported um, with not a lot of credibility, but um, social media plays a huge part in journalism these days and in spreading of news and, and also the spreading of rumors. Um, it was also reported that uh, another part owner, Steve Baldwin, um, was the one that put Kang under investigation uh, during cool. this time. That was, uh, yeah, that was actually reported and confirmed by The Athletic, I believe. So that there was... Because of that being put out there and because I'm sure at the time all things were being looked at as to what happened here. Why is there a, a string of positive cases at the Washington Spirit? You're looking at everything. Right. Um, but in doing that, you're finding out different reasons or, or outlets as, as to why. And it was confirmed by The Athletic that uh, Steve Baldwin had went ahead and sort of asked for this investigation to, to, to take place. So this all happened um, early, early September. And then we heard from Kaya McCullough herself, who was the former Washington Spirit player, who was the only person to go on record initially with the Washington Post article um, that really started these investigations for head coach, former head coach Richie Burke. Um, so Kaya McCullough has a podcast called Unfiltered with Kaya McCullough, and she has an episode called Truth Be Told. And she dives into her experiences because in the Washington Post article, she gave some very explicit examples of what had happened. 
But since the article came out, uh, McCullough had not spoken freely. She had been asked to go on podcast, asked for other interviews and asked for articles, and she had said no. So she took her own um, protected space of her own podcast to use her voice to speak to her experiences. Um, it's also a YouTube video, which you can watch her and watch her face, which I think is really powerful and moving. It's called Unfiltered with Kaya McCullough, and it's the, the episode is called Truth Be Told. So that came out about September 10th. Um, Sandra, did you listen to that and watch that video yeah. at all? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's an... <sighs> We're in an interesting time right now where not only, yeah, is it important that players feel comfortable and are given, you know, room and time and space to share their truths and share their experiences? Yes, absolutely. Um, but it's on the other side of that, it's also very tough. It's also very, those are also very difficult conversations. Those are all really, those are tough things to hear, mm-hmm. um, especially for a player like you know McCullough who whose experience is very layered it's not just one-dimensional and within her her podcast and on her video which people can can go and check out and, and see and examine for themselves she talks about all these different areas in which she essentially experienced trauma that it's not just one direct way so we're talking about issues of you know, harassment, verbal abuse, you know, racism, you know, these are things that not every player can relate to. Um, Her experiences are going to be different from a a non-Black player. Um, And people need to try to empathize with that as the best way they can. And and a 23-year-old. Nonetheless, yeah, very, very young. young We're talking woman. about a player, talking about a player who got drafted and then the pandemic hit and immediately sort of found that it was not a safe place, uh, a safe uh, place for her anymore. Um, and she talks a lot about that, mm-hmm. you know, that they, that that's what soccer used to be for her, that it was something that helped her out through a lot of difficult times. Um, and I want I really do want people to go on over and you know, yes. check that out if they're able. So I'm not going to get too into that, but they should go and check it out. But it's a, it's a very deep dive that she quite frankly didn't have to take, but she did. She um, had already taken the first step speaking with the Washington Post and going on record uh, to be a witness in that situation and then to really open herself up even more to the vulnerability of sharing her experience. Um, it's very, very powerful. Um, it, sticking with chronological order of all of the news that has come out of Washington spirit. We are in the second week of September at this point when the second match for the Washington spirit originally scheduled against OL rain is forfeited immediately from the league. It's issued a forfeit uh, due to the spirits breach of medical protocol. Um, So at this point, the Portland Thorns game is still considered a postponement due to the four COVID cases. Yet this OL rain game is immediately uh, issued a forfeit, and due to that, under FIFA rules, OL Reign received a win in the schedule, three points, and a three to nil win over the Spirit after this match, which did cause some uprise for Portland Thorns players and supporters, understandably, because their match was postponed. Yet OL Reign received the win in this column. Um, but at this point in the announcement, um, it it was due to the spirit's breach of medical protocol. Um, and, and what else did we learn from, from that news report that came out about this forfeit? Well, I mean, we saw a lot of quick reaction to it as well. We saw more discourse, quite frankly, that was the first thing that happened out of this. Uh, and we also learned some things, you know, the league put a name on it. They put a consequence on it. It was the first time that the league ever issued a forfeiture in its history. And they issued it, to the Washington spirit and they issued it due to breach of medical protocol. And that was in regard to the ongoing pandemic. And then, you know, sort of like tying all these strings together, the equalizer eventually confirmed that the COVID outbreak among the spirit was, was 
in fact, due to that, it was because of breach of medical protocol that a player essentially traveled out of market, did not quarantine after the uh, the timing of travel upon her uh, upon their return, and uh, then all of a sudden you see a string of of positive cases. So, um, to sort of have all that come out and then sort of again tying all these strings together and seeing. You know, the irresponsible tweeting that's taking place, you know, around, you know, an Asian, you know, female owner in the league and, and a dumpling making party, you know, and and sort of all of those things sort of uh, somehow look uglier, you know, as more um, credible reporting comes out about it. So, um, yeah, tough. Very tough. Um Then most recently, September 23rd, reported out of the Washington Post again, um, an NWSL investigation. They initially reported that the Richie Burke investigation um, way back in the end of August and early September. And now in late September, September 23rd, the Post again reports that they've widened to they've widened the investigation to include allegations of a toxic workplace for women, um, according to several current and former employees. Uh, So this news initially breaking not even a month after the initial investigation happened. It seems fast, but we learned so much in the reporting that came September 23rd. Yeah, it's um, and it just it's as more concrete and credible reporting comes out, it just continues to, it's, it's lengthy. It's lengthy, the timeline that we're going through, but it is essential and helpful to sort of, of hopefully eventually reach a conclusion at, at, at some point, you know, once the equalizer went ahead and confirmed the, the breach of, of medical protocol, there were additional things also being, you know, tweeted out by various reporters, um, that was leading to this report today that, you know, at the time, um, president of business operations, you know, Lindsay, Lindsay Berenz had apparently stepped away from the club. And this sort of was in light of all of the IntelliBridge sponsorship that she was one of the few, you know, head of position type of people who had raised concerns around that sponsorships. And it sort of fell on deaf ears. She departed from the club and like, now here we are, September 23rd, reacting to this and seeing this extra report coming out of of the Washington Post that multiple people have left, or multiple women specifically have left. And that's important to note when the investigation that is occurring around the Washington spirit is around uh, allegations of a toxic environment and a toxic culture at the franchise and at the club level. Uh, That the fact that 40 or the 40% of the female staff that have were initially named on the club website have left since June is, is alarming. And the fact that three of five of those female department heads have left this month alone is doubly alarming. Um, It's not healthy. And again, it just feeds more into the already bad blood that has boiled over uh, when it comes to this particular franchise and uh, and the supporters who support it at at the at the end of the no well it's not the end of the day but at, at the time of this reporting out of the post this updated reporting out of the post you had the uh, official like Washington Spirit supporters group release a statement of their own so you have what's considered you know it's the official supporters group so it's like the the one group of the fans who are like supposed to be the ones who are just like relentless and unmoving in their and, and wavering in their support of the club but all things have their breaking point and they also released a very you know welly worded statement that just and, and this is a different supporters group than the rose room collective that yeah. initially put out the sell the team steve sign correct um, Uh, way earlier on August 29th. And now this group is the Spirit Squadron, who is uh, more officially known as the team's uh, supporters group. Yeah, they've been around since the jump, since the the beginning. So we're talking about a league that's entering its 10th season next year and that this is a supporters group that has been in place for, you know, since the beginning. Um, And they released the following statement. We no longer have confidence that Steve Baldwin can effectively lead the Washington spirit until new ownership publicly puts forth a plan that ensures a safe environment for players and staff and commits to a true vetting process for hiring qualified employees at the highest levels. We will limit our game day activities. This 
This includes the flying of flags, chants, and the playing of drums in the supporter sections. To the players of the Washington Spirit, this is not a decision that we have come to lightly. We understand that our actions will have an immediate and adverse effect on the atmosphere we help to create in the stadium on game day. However, we cannot continue to operate as if there is not a cancer eating away at the heart and soul of this club that you play for and that we love. We have seen enough. It is past time. Sell the team, Steve. So they tweeted this today from their official um, account, uh, really just, you know, a adjacent to you know the the updated reporting from the washington uh post about so many um you know women executives exiting uh the club so it's uh, very telling i think when fans initially read this statement um and and this statement calls the inside and, and the culture that is being harvested at washington spirit a cancer that is eating away at the heart and i think when initially fans of the league and of the washington spirit read this statement they were like oh it's all due to the richie burke investigation which i firmly believe is a majority of the reason that this statement came out but once you look at the full timeline of what has happened based on the sponsorship announcement and um, hire female executives leaving within the company and sell the team Steve coming on a, a spirit night honoring the service members. It's there are so many layers to this announcement that was put out um, by the supporters group for the spirit that it's not one fold. It's no. probably not even twofold, maybe three no. or four or five fold. There's so many layers to this yeah. situation and to this statement. And I firmly believe that this decision as they said, especially for the players, did not come lightly. Lots of conversations and lots of how can the supporters group make a difference, stand behind the players on the field while also um, trying to make a stand for the club that they love, that they want to see succeed. Because these supporters, they give everything to these teams and to these clubs, and they want to see them win and succeed. That's not like they're looking to burn the club to the ground by any means in 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 actuality, it's the opposite of that. They're looking to raise the club up so it can be the best in the league. Yeah, it's um, I would imagine. I mean, we're just we just sat here and went through a chronological timeline for our listeners. So, you know, if we did this in like, you know, 20 to 30 minutes, I, I would imagine that the fact that this has gone on for weeks and weeks and weeks, that it was something that this official supporters group had been weighing you know the option of making a move like this themselves I mean when you talk about you know when I mention or say something like things have a boiling point this was uh, obviously theirs you know and the fact that within their statement they also additionally um, extended an apology directly to the players of the Washington spirit they understand um the severity of that decision, the weight of that decision and how, how that looks. And I think, you know, when we're tying this and trying to connect this all together to, to the league, you know, it's, I would imagine if you're, if you're the league in a year like 2021, where a lot of the conversation has been around um, what's considered the hardcore fan base and trying to build out and extend that and grow that. And then you sort of see what's happening with this the the spirit franchise, and then seeing what's considered the hardcore fan base sort of take this stance. This this has to 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 raise concerns and to raise certain alarms. I think. Of course, of course, and you look at this year, and this is the first year that the league, the NWSL has put into place an anti-harassment policy in April of 2021. That's when they announced the policy to protect uh, the players for a safe work environment. Um, But it only came out this year. And now all of these allegations and investigations are bubbling to the surface. So this policy, which is something that Kaya McCullough does talk about in her podcast and on her YouTube episode. um, But I don't think that it's well known enough among the players about what they are protected by and against in this league. So this anti-harassment policy put into place this year, how do you see it, Sandra? What is the point of it for this year? What is the hope of it moving forward? 
Yeah, I mean, well, I think the fact that it's already that it kind of came to light this year sort of speaks volumes. You know, why was something like this not in place before? But the fact of the matter is that it is here now. And you would assume that its purpose is to better the league and to be the vessel, be the vehicle, be provide a service essentially for the for the players across the league, really by larger extension staff across mm-hmm. the league, uh, to provide a safe, confidential avenue for those same players, those same staff to feel like they can come forward, uh, you know, and have an outlet to go to directly uh, to the league. And we're starting to, we are starting to see that sort of be put into work, I think in this. So as a policy got put into place, we're starting to see the, you know, beginnings of what the effect of that policy can be. So there clearly there's still some ongoing things that are taking place with the Washington spirit. Um, There aren't a ton of resolutions right now. There are investigations that are still ongoing and clearly reporting that is still happening. Um, But ultimately for now, that's what the anti-harassment policy in place is serving to do. It's, it's creating, these types of opportunities. And hopefully that's essentially what this is going to be looked at, that these are opportunities as painful as they are for the league to only grow and be better from this. So we'll see. It's, it's a lot. We went through a lot chronologically for our listeners here. Um, hopefully everyone is caught up to date. Hopefully you have got some holes filled in. If you've been trying to, to follow along with this, we are going to take a quick break because we still, believe it or not, have some NWSL action to get through for you all. We're going to go through some previews and picks and we'll be right back after a quick break. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Deucible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. Weekend preview time, Lisa. Are you ready to talk about some NWSL action? I'm so ready. We had a bye week. We did get some international action during that bye week, which I do enjoy. It keeps my soccer juices flowing, but I miss the league play, especially because the standings are so tight. There's so many back and forth. Players are really coming into their own. Um, I missed it. I missed the league. I'm glad it's back. And all 10 teams are playing five games, a full slate ahead of us for the weekend. Thank goodness. Saturday and Sunday, we've got games on the slate. I'm excited about it. The table Starting to have some separation, I think, when you're looking at the top stuff, but the middle is is still up for grabs. We've got a couple of matches, a doubleheader taking place on Saturday. Let's get into it. We're going to get you all some picks, and we'll try to get through these quickly for you all. We know you've been hanging out with us for a little while. We've got Gotham FC versus North Carolina Courage. I'm not too sure how to go in this one, Lisa. The other thing that we got to let our listeners know is – the NWSL is returning because they're coming off of an international break with during this FIFA window in which a lot of players departed for international duty. A number of them, obviously, for United States women's team, but, you know, Brazilians as well getting some games on the schedule there and, and a couple English internationals as well. So looking at this game with Gotham versus North Carolina, I think the easy thing to say is that Gotham is in need of a win, right? (laughs) For sure. More than North Carolina, but I'm not too sure if they're going to get it. They're doing very well at not losing, 
but they have got to get themselves a win in this one, Lisa. So I think the desperation is going to hit them a little bit and they got to really hit go mode. And also this is going to be a really big opportunity for head coach Scott Parkinson to be on the sideline and kind of get some real game day coaching in with this squad. And we also are, you know, do want to make a note that we are recording this, you know, prior to any official injury report announcements of the league. So we are on the assumption that, you know, Mitch Purse may or may not be available. So if Margaret Purse is someone who is unavailable, that's going to hurt the Gotham. If she's available, guess what? That is going to help them a whole lot. Uh, so even with the unknowns, I got to feel like Gotham is fine. Maybe going to find themselves in a corner. They're going to come out swinging. So I think I'm going to go with Gotham on this one. Lisa, how about you? Uh, it's so true. It, this is a must win for Gotham. They really don't have an option at this point. They're number eight in the standings. They have 22 points and about five or six games left for Gotham in order to get in one of those top six playoff spots. And this bye week, the last week, I think it helped more teams than it hurt most teams. And I'm going to keep coming back to that as we go through each of these matches. And for Gotham, I think it helped them um, because they had injuries. Players like Margaret Purse, who had been out for a number of weeks due to, I think, a quad injury she has. And a week off is a great opportunity for any team to rest up and recover. Um, and Gotham, they've had three weeks off. Frankly, they have not played a game since September 4th um, against Chicago is a nil-nil tie. Um, it's a really a nice break for them, which, frankly, I think Gotham needed. They were on a seven-game winless streak before this three-week break that they had. Um, so since July 25th, they have recorded three ties and four losses. So they, they don't even understand the taste of winning in their mouth yet. Um, I think if Yoman Amanu has had a good string of games, um, she's number two in the Golden Boot race right now. Uh, she has seven goals on the season. So she's a factor in the front line that I'm looking forward to seeing. But then when you look at the North Carolina team, um, they're coming off a 1-0 loss to Portland before the bye week happened. Um, and this North Carolina team is much more defensive than we've seen North Carolina teams be in past. They're just riding on their defense this year. They've only allowed 10 goals. Casey Murphy in net has been tremendous. She has 11 clean sheets on the season. And Portland snapped that clean sh clean sheet um, streak for Casey Murphy in their last game. But for North Carolina in their attack – we're used to seeing the previous North Carolina team putting up 17 shots a game, eight of those shots on goal on average. And this season, they're not putting up those 20 shots on game. They're averaging around 10 shots a game and five of those shots being on target. Just last match against Portland, stat-wise, North Carolina was outshot by the Thorns 24 to 10. So this match against Gotham is going to be so defensive, both for Gotham and for North Carolina. But I see Gotham coming out with a very, very narrow win just because they need it a little bit more. And Scott Parkinson has had time with this Gotham team to develop a little bit more of what he wants to see from them. So I'm going Gotham. We're both going Gotham in this one. The next one to close out the doubleheader for Saturday is going to be Chicago Red Stars versus Portland Thorns FC. Chicago hosting Portland at SeatGeek Stadium in Bridgeview, another team in need of a win, quite frankly, a little bit of a sim similar scenario for uh, to Gotham, but they're a team that's currently in the playoff picture. They're sitting in fifth place at the moment, and they're going up against the best team in the league. That's really been the one consistent narrative, really, out of the entire 21 season so far is that Portland Thorns have constantly been this threat. They've been the deepest team in the league, and they've been the – winningest team in the league they are leading right now with 38 points um but both these teams coming off of the same bye week you know and having a number of players who got called into those uh u.s friendlies against paraguay and they also uh, for the portland side i think they also were missing somebody like uh, a rocky rodriguez who mm -hmm. had spent some time with the costa rican um international team so i'm going to be curious to see uh how these teams look sort of coming out of the break, yes, but also having had some key players uh, unavailable and getting minutes with their inter uh, international signs. Um, but I really do feel like this actually might come down to a draw, even though Chicago is hitting this point of the season where they've got five games remaining 
in their season. And they really do have to try to maybe give themselves some cushion in the middle of this playoff picture. Um, but I think this Portland Thorn side is just way too good. Um, so we'll see what happens. But I really do think this might play out to a narrow draw between these two teams. I see the draw happening as well. And at that point, Chicago still takes two points off Portland and gives themselves a point because Chicago does need points um, in, in the standings just to, like you said, give themselves a cushion. Um, Chicago unbeaten in their last four matches. It's their longest unbeaten streak of the season. And they have 20 goals on the season, and nine of those came off set pieces. Now, remember, back in the middle of the season, there was a number of own goal situations for Chicago, but it doesn't matter. On the stat sheets, they still got those goals. Um, a lot of them did come off set pieces, whether it was a corner kick or um, a free kick around the 18-yard box in the attacking end. Um, and Portland... They lead the league in points. They're sitting in number one with 38 points, and they lead the league in goals, scoring 25 goals this year. So I think the Portland attack and their offense um, can can cause a lot of trouble for Chicago. I I, I don't want to say this one is a draw only because you said it, so I'm going to give it to Portland just because of how hot they've been going. Um, and I, I think they could – outplay Chicago in this game but man sometimes the Red Stars just surprises me and the way Mal Pugh played in that first international match against Paraguay unbelievable if she can bring a little bit of that mojo to the Chicago team who this is this could be a really really tight match but I'll give it to Portland just to not be a draw with you <laughs> I feel that hopefully it's a fun one no matter what happens looking ahead to Sunday it's a triple header kicking things off is racing Louisville FC going up against Houston Dash Houston on the road in this one but when we're talking about teams who are looking to get into that real playoff push kind of vibe you've got racing Louisville on the outside looking in at number nine in the standings and you've got Houston Dash also on the outside looking in at number seven with 23 points so they are also equally uh you know thirsty for a win as well as all to try to secure all three points um racing Louisville is going to need both wins and probably a little bit of luck at this point in order to try to leapfrog into the top six. But Houston, much, much closer than anyone else in that current seven through 10 position. So I'm going to be going with Houston on this Ooh. one. I I like that Christy Mewis got a run out with the national yeah. team. I think she was looking pretty good out there when she was uh, tasked with the start. Um, Rachel Daly is currently going, uh, is currently with the England international side, but she's also currently going through some things on the personal side. She recently announced the passing of her father. So again, as we're Recording this, we don't have the updates in terms of who will essentially be available or unavailable on these things. But in the event she is unavailable for this match, that's going to be a huge uh, loss for this Houston Dash side. But that's not to say that they don't have options in the attack because this was the you only team. Lisa, you can't go back. You already picked Lisa, them. <laughs> this was the only team. Houston Dash were the only team that actually did play an exhibition game during this uh, during this break, they went head to head against Liga Max Femenil side Tigres Femenil, and they defeated them at a huge scoreline. And Michelle Prince had a great game in that one. So I'm going with Houston all the way for sure in this one. Yeah, even if there's no Rachel Daly, you can't go back on that. You can't go back. I'm not. Houston. I'm not. So I, I like that. And you're right with Houston playing the match, the friendly over this bye week uh, where NWSL play was paused um, and racing Louisville. Last time they were out, they played against Orlando and a devastating industry to injury, excuse me, to Nadia Nadim. So they will be without her. Um, two weeks back, she got injured ACL big destroying of the knee for Nadim, which is just devastating. Um, but racing Louisville, they need a win. They have Ebony Salmon, who leads Louisville with five goals. She's in that golden boot race towards the top. Uh, she has a few above her, but she's still in there scoring five goals on the season. Um, I, I want racing Louisville to win this one. So I'm going to pick them and I might lean towards them. Um, something else for Houston, a little bit of news. Uh, Christine Naren announced her retirement for the dash. She played her last game in the friendly last week and she joined Houston's fire department Academy. She's going to become a firefighter. I, I'm so happy for her. I am so proud of her. She, Naren has been 
with the NWSL since its start in 2013. Um, so cheers to Christine Naren and congratulations to her moving on to the Fire Academy, staying in Houston. So I'm sure she'll be a big supporter of the Dash. But for this one, I, I want to go with racing because I want them to get a win, um, even though I think Houston could could give them a lot as Houston sits number seven in the standings and racing Louisville is number nine. So 23 points and then 17 points. There's a bit of a gap there for them, but I, I want racing Louisville to get this win. So I'm just picking them. Right on. I'll take it. I'll take it. Note it. We're gonna, it comes down to gut feeling. Take, take the notes. We're going to compare them when we come back for, for the recap uh, for the second match uh, for Sunday, it's Washington spirit versus Kansas city and WSL. You've got Washington spirit. Shout out to them doing enough to still be in the playoff picture despite not playing their last two competitive fixtures in the NWSL regular Since season. August 29th. That was their last game. August 29th, the game against North Carolina with the sign. Well, we took you guys all through it, but some of these some of these players will have had almost a month yeah. off of the pitch in this game. And it's it's a game that they're hosting. They're hosting the the last place team in the league. So does that help or hurt them to have almost three weeks off? I think it hurts them. I do too. I think it hurts them. I think at this point in the season, the final stretch, the stretch in which so many teams are locked into playoff mode and their playoff push, it hurts a team like the Spirit to have had two games taken away from them essentially, and a month away from the game. I mean, especially when we're hearing, uh, you know, somebody like Andy Sullivan who got called into those games. It's Again, this goes back to what we were talking about at the top half of this podcast, that, you know, a player like Sullivan is almost feeling a sense of relief, Mm -hmm. stepping away from the situation at Washington Spirit and being placed into national team camps. It was almost a sense of relief to get away and just get back to playing the sport that she loves. So she looked great in those games. Emily Sonnet got a start in this game. Kelly O'Hara got some time on the pitch against Paraguay. So these are the only players for the Washington spirit who were able to see time on the pitch over the last month for, for the spirit side. So while Andy Sullivan is looking, you know, really great, you know, who's to say that she's going to get tasked with a start coming off of an international uh, window in this game. I'm, I'm not. I'm not too sure. Well, it'll be interesting to sort of see what interim head coach Chris Ward puts out there. But if I'm Kansas City, you're absolutely looking at this game mm-hmm. as you're like, there's a there's a wounded animal here, and you're the prey, and you're gonna just like pounce. So, you know, if Kansas City at this point of the season are essentially waving the white flag and conceding and saying, hey, we're not going anywhere, you know, this year, we're already looking ahead to 2022. Um, the ownership is already releasing a lot of great news around the team in terms of establishing a, a brand new training facility, the announcement that they will be playing their games uh, alongside uh, Sporting Kansas City and their facility in Children's Mercy Park. So it's it's a lot of looking ahead for this team. So if you're trying to just sort of close out your season, looking ahead and on a positive thing, you're absolutely looking at this game and saying, let's take it to this team. I think Kansas City may walk away with a narrow win here. So you'll you'll give them a win. Yeah, I will. Um, yes, I mean I echo everything that you just said for Washington. They've they've been on a break and international duty. Um, and now with the announcement that the Spirit Squadron won't be there, I think that'll change the home atmosphere for the players. Um, not positively. I'm not going to say negatively, but it changes the home environment for those players to not have the drums and the flags and everything like that, which. I understand why, but it changes things. Um, I think that this is a game that Kansas City could come into, but you also remember there are really young players on this Washington squad. So maybe this break was really good for them. I'm just flipping, playing devil's advocate here. Hey, I think that that's was, fair. I think the same argument really, could be made for them for a win. Maybe it was really good for them to get a little mental break from the season, from all the news that's been happening, uh, to not have to play, not have to travel these last three weeks. And for for all the youngsters in Trinity Rodman and Ashley Sanchez and Ashley Hatch to be able to kind of hit the reset button, um, it could go both ways. I honestly see this one as a draw. I think Kansas City will put up a fight, uh, but I see it as a draw. I don't think that 
Washington will be that much of a wounded animal this weekend. I think that's fair. Honestly, I, I I agree. I mean, I think go either way, but I'm gonna I'm gonna lean towards Kansas City a little bit. Let's close it out, Lisa. We got all rain versus Orlando Pride. We're talking about teams that have not seen some time on the pitch in a little bit. And all rain, the last the, the first and last team that was issued the the the, the forfeit uh, by the league for their September 12th game, they were unable to play that one, and then that sort of rolled into the international break. So this is another team that has had uh, some time away off of the pitch. I don't know if that will essentially work against them in this one. I think they're in a little bit of a different position than they are compared to a team like the Washington Spirit. I'm sure somebody like Laura Harvey has been tasked has tasked the team with uh you know a lot of work to put in uh, to this game day. And you know they're also keeping their eye on the table with both of these forfeitures for Portland and for Oil Rain. That widened the gap a little bit mm-hmm. between one and two when we're looking and keeping our eye on something like the Shield race. So if you're all rain, you're a franchise that's not unfamiliar with chasing a Shield, and uh, you want to try to collect these points as much as as much as you can. So I'm I'm going with all rain in this one against Orlando Pride. I see that outcome as well. I don't know. I'm not picking it. Let me talk it out. Talk it out. So all right. rain unbeaten in their last four matches. Um, and the last, the the first half of the season and the second half of the season for OL Reign has looked tremendously different. Maybe that's due to the international players coming back from the Olympics. I think Laura Harvey plays a huge role in that change that we've seen from OL Reign, especially with her personnel positioning on the field with Sofia Huerta playing more of an outside back position and truly excelling in that role. But in the last game, in the last 10 games for OL Reign, they have gone seven, seven wins, two losses and one tie earning 22 points in those 10 games. That is tremendous. They've scored 24 games or 24 goals all season. They're number two in the league sitting right behind Portland Thorns. Uh, Bethany Balser is tied for the golden boot race alongside Sydney LaRue. They each have eight goals on the season. Megan Rapino is averaging a goal or an assist in every single game. Jess Fishlock is number two on the team behind Balser with seven goals and assists. It's they have a lot of star power in the attack. I understand where you're coming from. However, this Orlando Pride team, they're coming off a big win over Racing Louisville, 3-1. to one. They had huge goal scorers in that game, if you remember. Uh, Martha, Sydney LaRue, and Alex Morgan all getting a piece of the action. We yeah. just saw Alex Morgan score a hat trick. Yeah. International friendly. Yeah, we saw Martha score a banger on a free kick. <laughs> Martha score a banger. I think that the, the star power for Orlando is is still shining bright and potentially mm-hmm. getting brighter and brighter. Um, and I think when you have a player like Alex Morgan, who's on her game in the attack and a player like Marta, who is on her game, because let's face it, they've had some off matches throughout this regular season. It elevates the game for Taylor Korniak and Erica Timrak and even Sydney LaRue, who seems to always be on her game. She never has an off second. Um, I'm, I'm giving this one to Orlando. All right. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm going to hold you to that. This is the same team that you said you had to take, and you said they've got some reckless challenge going on. There's a little bit of a reckless vibe. It doesn't mean they're going to lose the game. It doesn't mean they're going to lose the game. Yeah, though, all so we'll see. Go off on a stretcher, which I'm still going to stand by. I think all, or I think Orlando is, has been a little aggressive, but I think it's played to their advantages in those games because they're taking other teams out. I do think it's I, I do think it's significant that this is the game to sort of close out the weekend. Yes. All these games. So in terms of our game of the week to take a look at, I think this is the one I'm gonna circle and keep my eye on for sure. Oh, mm-hmm. Rain versus Orlando. If there's only one game that you can watch this week, y'all watch this game. Take a look at it. Folks, we're gonna give you the rundown of the standings real quick before we exit out of the show. Portland Thorns in first place with 38 points. Oil Rain in second place with 32 points. Uh third, uh, third place through sixth place is where it gets a little bit more narrow and anything can happen. It's North Carolina Courage with 29 points. Orlando Pride in fourth place with 28 points. Chicago Reds stars in fifth place with 26 points and the Washington spirit in sixth place with 23 points on the outside looking in it's Houston dash and seventh place with 23 points Gotham FC in eighth place with 22 points racing Louisville FC in ninth place with 17 points and in 10th place Kansas city NWSL with 11 points 
Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us today and listening to us on this lengthier episode. I just want to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at Attacky Third. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, you can uh, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, anywhere you listen to your podcast. And if you do that, you can go ahead and leave us a five-star review. And if you leave us a five-star review with a question, we will answer it during our mailbag segments. So I also want to just let you know that we're available as video. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Visit youtube.com slash attacking third. Get excited about NWSL, folks. I know there's a lot going on, but it's back. The soccer is back. And we will have the recap episode for you all back on Monday. Join us then for Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman. This was a tech event. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+.